Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is the 28th of June. It is, I think the next time I see you will be July 1st. So I hope everybody has a great weekend this weekend. Today, I have some questions. Um, The first one I can relate to so heavily because I've been through it, but we go through it, and it says, Hi, Nadia. It's time I have a question for Friday. My son is going to India with his best friend for the full month of July. It's their excursion before beginning college in the fall. I'm doing my best not to overthink things as his trip is well planned. I plan on praying every day for their safe return. Is there anything else you could tell me that will guide to keep positive thoughts in my mind? I'm so proud and happy for him. I know that I might hear from him but once a week. Any guidance you could give would be much appreciated. Much love your way. I did go through this, and my daughter went for three months and then stayed an extra month um, to Spain in Spain after she was done um, and had a hard time wanting to come back. Um, but she did the El Camino hike, the one that starts in France and goes all the way into Spain, and it was between five and 600 miles on foot, staying in hostels along the way. It took quite a while. I remember her, her toenail on her right foot came off from walking so much with the shoes. And yet, in a weird way, I felt, safer for her there than here. I don't know why. She just kept saying the people were so nice and everybody was so nice. So as a parent, when I read this, I immediately Googled how safe is it to travel to India? And I'm glad I read this question prior because normally I don't. And today, because it came in my inbox, you have to read things so that they aren't new anymore or something like that. So I read the question and I immediately did that. And actually, as long as they're not going to Pakistan, there's um, Pakistan is not very stable. India is very, pretty stable and safe to travel to. Now, the things I did was I put a tracking, you know, where she put, if she did it, she put it in my phone so that I would know where she was at all times, where she was going. She also went with a friend, um, and that friend also knew people in France. And so, you know, kind of got, but they went into Amsterdam, France, and Spain. And um, keep track that way. That's a good, good thing. You could always do that. Every time she had Wi-Fi, she would FaceTime us. Um, she didn't have Wi-Fi all the time, but she could text. Texting is easy. 
And so I would just ask, you know, if they could not make me wait a whole week because you get used to it. And another thing to remember for the most part is that no news is good news. They're, they're doing fine. And he may want to reach out and just say, hey, mom, I'm okay. Um, if there's a few people he needs to reach out to, put them in a group text where everybody gets the same text so that the child is not overwhelmed by having to send five texts or six texts to let all these people know he's okay or not. Um, That's a big one. Um, So most of it is in creating a form of communication so that if they need something, they can get to you quickly and also you just having some sense of peace of mind back. Um, it sounds like you guys are planning and, and probably doing all the overthinking you could do here, which, you know, I don't know how much overthinking we could do. We want to make sure that our kids are safe. We want to make sure that we know where they're at, what the itinerary is, all of that. But India has a ton of travelers every year they are used to tourists they are used to people being around but the thing that i would also um, keep an eye on is to wear things close to their body Um, their money their phone all of that i think they make them they're like those fanny packs but they go like under your shirt and everything goes in it in your belly as opposed to in a backpack that someone could rip off and take. So pickpockets, that kind of stuff. Um, I did see that that happens. I can send you the link or just Google, is it safe to travel to India? And you will get all the information you need. And it's just those things that you don't think to think about. But, you know, I travel a lot. I'm going to Italy. You just like to know you know, what are the things that are specific to those areas? And that's it. Just what what's specific. So, you know, I wish him a great trip. It takes a lot to do. Keep the lines of communication open, regular, and minimum. Just, you know, good night, good morning. That way you know it's him. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, it's him as well. So just keep communication open. That's the best advice I can give you and to wear their stuff on their body um, and just their clothing, stuff that they can replace in their backpack. Um, And that way they always have what they need when they need it. Oh, I I wish him well. It's a full month of July, so that means he's leaving soon. Good luck. I have another question. Good morning, Nadia. Please I would like to remain anonymous. If there is time, I have a question. In Origins of Truth, chapter, The Culmination, page 605, when a soul can understand itself and its actions, that is gift, that is reward. For love is of greatest of reward in openness on earth. It is the calmness of heart in approachment. So simple and so open a heart can be. So simple and open love can withstand. Page 614. Sexualness. 
I would like, if there's time, I have a question. Okay, so I didn't get to the questions yet. Um, on page 614, sexualness of humans is not physical. It is emotional. All else takes away from the soul. My question is how to honor one's heart and each other's heart in a couple's relationship, trying to keep intentions pure when love is present, but still ego shows itself at times. Okay, so I don't, I, I can probably see how the quotes relate to the question. How to keep your intentions pure? That's a great question because ego is ready and waiting because ego is a teacher and it's going to show itself anytime we feel vulnerable. Like, let's say you have a thought about your partner and you don't like that thought, or it just came out of nowhere. And you go, why did I just think that? That's not me. I don't think like that. I don't want that thought. You don't have permission to invade my thinking. And somehow it disappears, and then tries again when you feel vulnerable. Sometimes I just take a deep breath and I say, I'm really happy in this moment. I don't know why I thought that. That isn't mine. But ego is like a, um, not just a bully. No, it's like it's something that keeps pricking at your skin, wanting to challenge you, wanting you to do something that takes people away from you. And when you do, and when you do, Listen, it starts building a plan. And when it starts building a plan, and when it starts building a plan, people can do some crazy stuff. For a period of time, and now occasionally, although now it's becoming repetitive, I have been studying people who've listened to ego all the way through to the point where they've committed some pretty crazy crimes as a result of not stopping ego. And what happened is that they all had a common statement and it it was amazing. To me, because it's exactly what Christ said. And they all said that while they were committing whatever it was they were committing, they felt like something took over them. They were not in control anymore. They knew they were doing what they were doing, but they felt like they couldn't stop once they started. And that it wasn't them. And every single time I heard that, and I heard it way more than once, where they they would sit there and tell you the whole truth about what they did at that point. Once they start 
telling the truth. They can't stop, and they look calm, and they look like they're these gentle people. And you're like, oh, my God, how could they describe it like that and not feel remorseful or weird or bad, as bad as it is to hear them? And it was because they didn't feel like it was them. Almost like they were talking about another person. They were talking about ego. And that's how far ego can go. And they even miss and worry about and want to see again the people they hurt. And they still love them and they honor them. It's like they are just gone. That's how powerful ego is or take, tells you to take your own life or tells you to do something. So it's something to really be aware of, to stop pretty early on because we know when something just kind of went in us and we're like, gosh, where did I think that from? I, I don't need that. Wow, that was weird. Instead of, oh, Maybe I should take this money from work. Maybe I should cheat on my husband. Maybe my husband really is not a good person and an idiot. Look at him. Look what he's doing. And that's how it talks. So how do you keep your intentions pure with ego knocking at the door? Keep your intentions pure. By asking yourself, well, why would I think that? That's not something I normally think, but why would I think that? What do I want back from that thought? Oh, wow, I don't want to do that. No, not for me. Remember when I said have conversations with yourself and talk to yourself? Nobody's going to make you better. You can walk around pointing fingers all day long. You make me better. You did this to me. You did that to me. And, you know, we're crying, complaining, pushing people away, and then wondering why nobody's there. We can do that all day long. But that's ego doing that because ego wants us to isolate ourselves and wants us to feel alone and wants us to justify our little tape in our head that nobody loves us. But really, it's us throwing around the stuff. Not anybody else. Everyone else is just living their life. What energy do we add to the mix? So to honor one's heart and each other's heart in a couple's relationship is to remind yourself every single day that in your heart, You chose this person. You chose this person. You have children with this person. You have a home. You built the life you said you were going to build. And sometimes now that we built it, we're like, oh, you know, oh, well, you know, he's not perfect. Who is? But if you can focus on what you've done instead of who the two of you aren't, 
please think about that. Focus on what you've done, not what you are not. When love is present and you feel it, say it. Sometimes people I've worked with, and I haven't been working with people as of late because I stopped doing that. But when I was, one of the things I noticed between the couples was that they actually stopped saying, I love you. And I I wish I asked more couples, but I, I did only ask one. And I said, did you guys notice that you don't say, I love you to each other at all? She knows I love her. We all know we love each other when we're married. But when we hear it, something happens in us like, wow, they they still love us. As though they didn't know. Because every day is a new day. Every day is a special day. It's not like same old, same old. Really paying attention to the choices we've made. When ego comes to just rip that from under you as a couple, that's why we don't feel like ourselves when we do listen to ego. That's why those people that I listened to all the way through to the end of what they were capable of doing by listening to their ego and tells you what an awful person your spouse is. They didn't they didn't do this for you or that for you and it gets you to focus on it and turn it into this whole big bad ugly world. So much so that you can't even see how you met anymore. How beautiful it felt when they asked you to marry them. How cool your wedding was. What you felt like when you first got pregnant. What you felt like during the pregnancy. And not everybody has a good day every day. So if you are in a relationship with someone and you're going to see them every day because you live with them, make a choice to stand by the choice you made. And remind yourself that you made a choice out of all the people you could have chosen to be with. You made a choice to be with them. Give yourself credit over and above what ego wants to tell you. Give yourself credit that you made good decisions. A lot of times, believe it or not, and it's going to sound crazy to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. When we feel like we haven't made good decisions, when we feel that, 
that's really what we're mad at, not our partners. When we say, why did I do this to myself? What do you mean, why did I do this to myself? Why am I here with this person wasting my life? When you say stuff like that, tell yourself, hey, wait a minute. I made a decision to be here. I want to be here. I love being here. Remind yourself, look at what we built. We gave two people life. We gave three people life. Or we helped these people do these things. We're learning, learning. And growing. Not only are we learning and growing, and this is the best part of it all, we've made it. We've made it. We made it through all of these things. We are aging together. And as we start to pull out the successes, you start to see that, oh my gosh, we did this. We actually did it. We pulled it off. I've been here longer than I've been with my own parents. In essence, I know this person better than I know anybody else in life. This person has seen my worst, and they are still here. They may have tried to run away a couple times, but not so much that they really left. Really harness the love. Respect the love that you have. Things will change. Most of the time, when people semi-exit a relationship by having an affair, a lot of times it doesn't even have to do with sex. That's why when we say sex is not physical, I know men are more shocked by that than women, by the way, completely more shocked by it than women. However, It's not because of the sex. It's because in a relationship, every single person, I haven't met one yet, hasn't wanted to feel loved, you included. We are gentle, loving, warm people who respond well to love. Anything else that comes at us, anything, it throws us for a loop. We're like, hey, wait a minute. There isn't love there. Oh, my gosh. What do I do? They don't love me anymore. And we we go into a tizzy over it. That's how sensitive we are. And when it comes to love, across the board, 
every single person I ever met till this day. When we are spoken to with love, we can respond. We can respond with love. I, I call it the glazed look. It's like all of a sudden we, we become children again. We become these people who feel life again. We start looking around at more life. We start looking at each other as partners, as people we can work with, as people we can trust. And the minute the love feels compromised, we get scared. We not only get scared, we're like, oh, my God, what do I do now? (gasps) But I'm here. What if they don't love me anymore? Biggest fear ever. It's a bigger fear than dying. We start to die when we don't feel that love. And people who demand it don't get it because how can you demand love from another person? You better love me or else. Because the other person says, well, wait a minute, that's not love. What is that? Oh, my God, is that like control or manipulate? And you start thinking like that, and then their separations begin. And some people are very manipulative for their love because they're insecure about it to the point where they want to guarantee it. But no one can guarantee it, and they, that's probably part of their life lesson. But just knowing that love is in the home, the smell of food, our actions taken for the family. The home is clean, our actions respecting the family. Having something as simple as dinner together, even if one of you isn't eating, sitting together at dinner, talking face-to-face instead of while you're walking past each other, acknowledging that the other person just said something. All of that keeps ego at bay because you are active. Love is like active. It's, it's open. It's running around your home. It's a very beautiful knowing that's unspoken in the home is that movement of love. When you go through hard times with your children, not just your partner, not just as a couple, and you look to your partner and you say, wow, we've, we've made it this far. What more can we do for our family? Because we, as a couple, start to change. We go from being parents of younger kids to that cruising age, then from that cruising age to the teenage years, which is crazy. And then after the teenage years is a calm, we start watching our kids navigate as an adult. For some parents, that's really hard. But if you look at it through the eyes of love and you say, hey, you know what? 
Who was I at 18? Oh, man, we couldn't wait to get out and live our own life. That's true for my kids as well. So let's, as parents, step back and let's pay attention to each other again. Now that some of our time is coming back in a different way, we don't have to, in in many ways, raise kids anymore. Now we're guiding them. And let's travel more. Or let's go out for a walk at night. Or let's sit and watch a show together. Or let's go out with friends more. Let's give back to our community together. Just because we're older doesn't mean the planning stops. And if you don't have children, you probably already are giving back to the community in many ways. It's really interesting that life doesn't stop the way ego tries to tell us that, oh, well, you guys are old now. Ah, you're both old and tired. Ah, who really cares about him? I'm tired of seeing him sit on that couch. When I hear that, it just kills me. Like, you guys just wasted your best resource your history together, everything you've done together. Keep that alive. Some of the happiest couples, the happiest couples I have ever met, never stop talking about how they met. They love the story. You guys, I have 10 seconds. Have a great weekend. I will see you on Monday morning. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.